Bastien. We are trying to find out if this thing works. I'm Shannon Christensen, and I'm here with my parents, Max and Pat Hatterley. And we're going to start talking about their life and their story today. Our plan is to work through their story chronologically, but then always adding in bits and pieces when we remember things or when we have a new question or anything like that. Let's start with dad and let's start with your birth date, your full name, and um, go from there. Okay, and my name is John Max Hatterley, but I go by Max. I was born May 18, 1947, and I was born in Freedom, Wyoming. Actually, I was born in Afton. Oh, I didn't know that. Because that's where the hospital was. I didn't even know you were born in the hospital. But we lived in Freedom. And both my paternal and maternal grandparents also lived in freedom. My paternal grandfather's name was John Hatterley. And so to avoid confusion of wondering who was talking about who, they immediately started calling me by my middle name, which is Max. And I've been Max ever since. I am the... Fifth of seven. That's not exactly quite accurate either because my parents had actually eight children, didn't they? Mm-hmm. I cannot remember. Brother Stan Stanford was born when I was a little kid and I remember it, but not a lot. He lived 16 hours or something. Lungs. So mom said lungs didn't, his lungs didn't work. Hmm. In today's world, he very likely would still be alive. But in 1947 or 1950 something, medicine had come a long ways from the 1850s, I'm guessing, but not enough to save him. We lived on a farm, which interestingly, Later on, when my sweetheart and I got married, we moved to Freedom. And at the time we lived there, our farm, that is my parents' farm, was now owned by Kent and Sherry Luthie. And they lived in the house, which they had remodeled considerably. But my parents lived there and we lived there in the little white house? I do not know that it was white. I cannot tell you the color of it. Can't even tell you the color of it now. Halfway to the church house. Six or eight houses down the road from the church house. The Holbrooks, uh, lots of Luthies lived around there. I don't know if you remember the Isaacs. Yeah, I Bishop, do. Belden Isaac. Anyway, in that area, 
was where our house and farm were. My parents were farmers like most people in town. And I don't know that we were poor or rich. I have no clue of any of it. I just know that uh, we ate every day, went to bed every night. I remember in our house that we had an old oil. It was about the size of a big laundry basket, something I'm trying to think what it would have been the size of. Anyway, heater that helped heat the house, not heat the upstairs. And she will be able to tell all about that from real personal experience and her growing up years. The winter times, and the winter times were way different back in those days. Way different. Everybody talks about global warming. Guaranteed we've got global warming. And thank goodness we do. I love it. Winters were bad news. Even when we lived in freedom, the winters were worse. And I will not in this session because it's not in the chronological session. But later on in my life, when I was in late grade school, but that isn't this session. You can tell us this way. Well, just to tell you then, it's just one little incident. For some reason, we were, I, I guess my parents had given some of us, and I was one of them, I'm going to guess others in our family, at ice skates, probably for Christmas, sometime along the way, I do not remember that. What I do remember is that someplace during my grade school years, I determined to build an ice skating rink in our backyard in Logan. In Logan, okay. Oh, I was probably eight or nine or 10, but um, I, I, it was probably from self-consciousness, I don't know, that I didn't want to go up to Central Park in Logan, Utah, to skate because I was afraid everybody would say how poor of a skater I was, so I decided to build our own skating rink. And the winters were real winters. I mean, mostly things have changed now. But I remember getting up in the mornings. No, I got up all night long, about every two or three hours. Connected a hose to our outside faucet that had a drain. I mean, a, 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 can't even think what they call them now. But anyway, outside faucets that drain so they don't freeze. Put a nozzle on it, just like you're watering your lawn and sprayed that lawn, which was to the exact, which direction? Side of our house. In the Logan house? In the Logan house. Okay. And I had a tree over by the driveway. I sprayed the lawn up that tree and that entire lawn. And I would do that about every two hours during the night. And it was between 10 and 20 below zero. Needless to say, the second I shut the water off, I also drained the hoses, had to get rid of all water everywhere. The water almost instantly froze. And I would come back out and do that again for several days. It was really a torture chamber. But by the end of a few days, we had a nice glaze of of ice out there. And then I strung a rope or a twine or something from 
the little back room that was connected mm -hmm. to the house somewhere there yeah. out to that tree then ran a light somehow hung on to that rope and had it plugged in so we could have lights at night out there and we had friends over we had many ice skating deals over there it was not funny because after each one of those nightly ice skating deals i had to go out with the broom and completely sweep that's what all ice skating rinks have to do yeah. only they have power equipment right. to do it i had a broom, <laughs> broom and sweep that entire ice skating rink off to get all the the shavings that the runners on the ice skates would scrape up, get them all off, and then respray it. And I would do that every night that we skated. We didn't skate every night, of course, yeah. usually on the weekends. And my mom would have hot chocolate and stuff for us, and we had a great time. I think I might have done that a couple of years before I realized I was living in the biggest torture chamber on the planet and it just wasn't worth it anymore. But we had some good times. I want to hit one topic of your birth. I don't, we'll have to find out how much you weighed because I don't remember. Six pounds, six ounces. Okay. So you weren't a really big baby. But I do remember one thing. My mother was in the hospital for 10 days. That's how long they kept a new birth mother in a hospital room. Probably a ward. Like a shared room? Like a ward. And they, they went home to someone to attend them for several days after as well. The whole hospital stay back in those days was what? 30 bucks? Mm -hmm. yeah. 50 or 20, or I don't know. So mom kind of mentioned that that maybe wasn't as good for them. Mom? No, I don't. I, they found out that that wasn't so good for the mom. She was so weak when she was staying in bed for that long that. In other words, they thought they were doing her a favor. Yeah, and it really wasn't so Which good. in modern medicine, we know that keeping anybody laying down, doing nothing, when she's got to get up and go like crazy for the rest of her life. Yeah. Tell me about your heart. They found out shortly, of course, this is all told to me, that my heart had a congenital defect in it, which later on, I don't know exactly what the defect was at that point, but by the time they operated on me, which was 14 years later, why my interventricular septum, that's the IV septum, that's the wall between the two ventricles had a hole in it about the size of a something that nobody even's ever heard of. I've always said it was the size of a 50 cent piece, but nobody knows what a 50 cent piece is anymore. It's about that big. We don't have 50 cent pieces anymore. Anyway, and there was also another hole in a valve somewhere. I can't remember what the what was there. But anyway, the left ventricle is the pumper where it was supposed to be going. But nobody knew enough about medicine to dare try it. I don't know. On you I, as an infant. Right. Or or until I was 14 years later. And I don't know how much more you want me to say about that right now. That's another story. I didn't actually have a heartbeat 
even even I could I mean not even I can remember this and most people have got a thump, 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 thump. I had a I could just hear wishing. I could, I could hear that. I mean, if you, it's, it's the way it was. I, you I could feel that. that. Yeah. It felt different. Yeah, it wasn't right. But I was happy as a clown. I didn't know anything. In fact, I loved it because my parents took me in to hard places from Logan to Salt Lake. And uh, I don't know when they found this out. I don't know if we were still in Freedom. Or if we were in Logan, I didn't know about it till Logan, of course. And went into clinics, I don't know, every six months or something. All my life till 14 to do EKGs. And I absolutely loved it. Loved being laid out on that table and these nurses would strap crazy <laughs> things on me. And I, man, I thought I was in heaven. I didn't want it to end. And they'd pull all that off. Took... If I was in school, which I was most of the time, took the whole day, and I don't know. Now they do EKGs in about five minutes or something. Yeah. Okay, I won't say any more on that. Well, that's really interesting, and I want to hear more about as we move through this over time, kind of what kind of what continued on with your heart. All right. Well, let's move on to mom. Let's hear full name, year you're born, family, okay. all that okay. stuff. My name was Patricia Grace Olson. Um, I was named after my grandma, Grandma Grace. My mother's mother and my mother's name was Grace. So, and we have several granddaughters with Grace. So it's gone generational. Oh, beautiful line. name. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I was born in Logan, Utah. Um, I had two older brothers and an older sister. Uh, and so Uncle Bill, Uncle Bob, and then Aunt Charlotte. And there was like seven years between Aunt Charlotte and I. Okay. All right. Seven, seven and a half years. And uh, so there was quite a big gap. And then my brother Randy was like four, four and a half years later. So that was family. We grew up in River Heights. Uh, we lived in my, we bought my, the home my grandfather and great-grandfather built in River Heights. Your grandfather and my great-grandfather. Great my father bought that home from them. You probably ought to mention for somebody that may have never heard of River Heights that it's a suburb of Logan. Let's see, your grandfather, this is your your dad's dad and dad's grandpa who were Swedish. Swedish. Yeah, my dad, uh, my dad's parents were both Swedish and came from Sweden at a young age, a teenager. Uh, came by himself from Sweden. Your grandpa. My grandfather, my dad's dad. So anyway, I was um, I was about seven and a half pounds, pretty average size baby. And my mom, um, when we discussed about being in the hospital for a while, and she said every time they would bring me in to see her, I would be in different clothes. And my mom didn't know what was going on. But when she took me home, 
I guess I had acid reflux, something, and I would check all, all the time. And she would say it would go up over the sides of the crib, it would just shoot out. My dad was working at Edwards Furniture in Logan at the time. He sold furniture and laid carpet. Still on Lane Street in Logan, mm -hmm. right? Um, we were wealthy, but I never, I mean, I didn't know. Mom took care of the produce. Dad did the garden. But dad always did the lawn, always did the garden. I, oh, I wasn't a very well little preschooler, toddler. I was never very well. I, I'm not quite sure what the problem was, but I remember a big chair in the kitchen that I would lay in a lot. And then, um, I'm, and I didn't eat very well. I remember my mom got some cherry medicine from the doctor that was supposed to give me an appetite. So, because I just, I don't know, didn't eat very good. And my mom always said, I, I, when I knew you were going to starve to death, I would open a can of chicken noodle soup and always eat that. I remember when Uncle Randy was born. How old were you when he was born? He was about four and a half. Okay. I wasn't very old. And he was just so cute. I would just, you know, and I was in the doll. So this was like a live doll. And he had blonde, curly hair. It was just adorable. I just loved my little brother. I thought he was great. So I recall a story where you put him in a stroller. Yes. Well, I put him in a stroller when our, our front room, our house had a porch, quite a good sized porch. So there was steps to get down to the ground. I had him in a stroller and I was just going down the steps. I thought that seemed logical. <laughs> and he tipped right over and I oh, I was afraid I'd killed him or something. I was so scared that I'd hurt him. Mm -hmm. I felt so mad. Bill, I can still feel. When I got a little bit older, I was like five or six. Um, my grandma, my maternal grandma, had a little organ that I learned how to play just a little bit. So and you're I, putting your hands out and you're showing yeah, me like about little. like 18 inches? Yeah, it was not very big. Like a, you could had put it on a table. Mm -hmm. Okay. Had a little switch, you turned it on. And I, I played that and uh, I sang. And we used to go to like Sunshine Terrace, assisted living. Uh, my grandpa's brother lived there. Grandpa Waits, his brother lived in that so we would go and sing and perform and i would go and sing and i sang uh at the uissue ballroom when i was about five or six it was a huge crowd it was just, my mom promised me if i sang really good she would buy this little washing machine that really worked so, I'd be so, <laughs> so i sang the song tammy, tammy which is um it's it came from a, a movie at the time yeah. So anyway, you were five years old, about five or six. And I still remember that song too. With a piano accompaniment. Yes, our neighbor accompanied me. What do you think? What do you think you wore? Um, I was into very frilly and very girly. How would your hair have been done? Maybe ringlets. I don't ringlets. I <laughs> ringlets all the time. Take rags or rolled up toilet paper and thread, and put it around and then wrap the thread around it so it would stay put. And I wow. wake up with really white ink. She always was, we should always look nice. She was very careful with her kids, how they always look clean and nice and taken care of. And yeah. 
So she was a good mom. It was fun. She, every Easter, always a brand new dress that she has made. Hand sewn. Yeah. Always. But that was always really fun. I always liked that. Sometimes a little bonnet. Yeah. Or little purrs. That's so. so sweet. Yeah. And I was just thinking, they introduced yourself, but what is the name your family called you growing up? Patty. You are called Patty. At the time, the, the popular names were Patty, Susie, Tammy. So that was one of the popular My names of the day. They almost named me Robin. But Brother Bill said, why don't you just name her Woodpecker instead? <laughs> so that did not go down. Well, so. <laughs> but Grandpa John, who lived and... <clears throat> We, for reasons that I'm not exactly sure, spent considerable time at my paternal grandfather's place, which became our home. We spent many, many, many more years in that home than they did. Wasn't it because your dad was working with your grandpa? Oh, right, sure. Anyway, so my grandpa John, who I think was his late 60s, anyway, he was one whale of a hard worker. I didn't ever see him do anything except work. And I mean, he was a skilled craftsman. He built the house we lived in, along with Uncle Wilford Hatterley. I believe he helped. That's his brother. So they, they were excellent carpenters and did many things. But one thing he, he didn't do, that I'm aware of at least, was very much playing. I mean, he wasn't a fisherman that I know he about. He was a musician though, wasn't he? Didn't he play some music? Beats me. I thought, I they certainly were it. into music because their kids were, were into music. So I, I don't know. It just wasn't that. He was fairly serious uh, workaholic. That's what he did. Scriptorian. He was definitely a scriptorian. He he taught Sunday school classes. I don't know if they called them gospel doctrine back in those days. Probably didn't, but I mean he was very much very well read. Both both sets of grandparents were very educated people. But whatever else he was, he was the funniest dude to me I ever saw. And I just loved to follow him around. I can just see myself now out walking around, which the farm that became our place later on. And I would be following behind him about three or four or five feet, just laughing my head off because he would just, his mannerisms, which I cannot remember, anything about now whatever they were they just had me laughing at him all the time and i was not quiet about it very loudly laughing it really irritated him after a little while which would be rightfully so i mean i can understand that once in a while he'd turn around and ask me what are you laughing about again but i have had more than one person tell me that i sort of turned out pretty close to him. Similar mannerisms. Well, lots of isms. I don't know too much about playing either, and working's what I seem to like to do, and, but I sure thought it was funny. 
while you were following him around the farm? Was he like, okay, carry that bucket? I can't remember that. Probably was just annoying. <laughs> if, I'm, if I remember, right, I think I was, it was mostly annoying. Him. Mom, what role did the Swedish heritage play in your family's life? Because your grandpa was an immigrant. Well, my dad spoke Swedish till he was like, till he went to school. So he, you know, he was, one day he kind of, he was a three-year-old. He uh, just went walking off somewhere, got lost. And nobody knew who he was, and he only spoke Swedish too. Um, and so I think that's with my dad as well, and being very careful with your money and all those things because of that immigrant Swedish background. Um, my my parents belonged to a Swedish club, talked Swedish to each other, and had picnics and socialized. Kind of socialized, yeah. I remember going, so yeah, at least a few times. Um, my dad liked fish really well because of background. My mother didn't like fish, but she fixed it for him anyway. Um, and he he taught us some words. I remember smur is better and takskadaha is thank you, a few of those kinds of things. And my grandparents had, um, my step-grandma had a really thick Swedish brogue. My grandpa had an accent, but it wasn't as thick as hers. Mm -hmm. But he did have an accent. So. And where did they learn to speak English? They had to learn it on their own. Oh, and then my brother Bill went to Sweden on a mission. So that was fantastic. You know, and I, I know very clearly the Swedish flag, what it looks like, mm -hmm. and the smorgasbord traditions. I, I, like, I was like four. My mother was pregnant with Randy, so like four, four and a half. And I would, I kept running away, like two to three miles up the hill. And I'd been up there just wandering around because I love to be outside. Anyway, then I, then I went to the school <clears throat> and Aunt Charlotte found me on her bike. She came on her bike and I was at the school. How old was she probably? Four, yeah. And uh, told me I was in big trouble. I started to cry and she was kind of teary. Anyway, went home and I, I got a good spanking. And I remember laying on the bed and crying. And I've never forgotten, boy, I stopped wandering around. That killed my wander. Very pregnant. With, and probably super sick and exhausted. And could not, you know, ran after this little kid. So anyway. How did Aunt Charlotte get you home? On the bike. Probably there was, it had a seat on the back, kind of on hers. Where you could put somebody. So I just hopped on there and went home to my dismay. Doom. My yeah. doom, yeah. <laughs> But I, but I was, you know, it wasn't safe. So I got the message. Do you think that your your grandpa or maybe dad, did they ever feel like any discrimination because of the, being an immigrant or being Swedish? No, my Swedish grandpa, he was like, seven, he was 17 when he came over. Mm -hmm. And the he was sponsored by a family, a, a family of farmers. And they almost worked him to death, overworked him and just treated him like, you know, not treated well. And really, because how could he protest? He was, he couldn't even speak English. They allowed him to live with them. He had to pay him. He had to 
stay with him for a year or two to pay back his his boarding and his uh, ship passage money. Really took advantage of him, and there was nothing he could do about it. I mean, how could he? He had to pay it. They took advantage, and anyway, that's what I was told. Well, something else I would like to just touch on for a second, maybe, is maybe some of those, maybe some of the big world events going on around the years you were born. So mom was born in 1952, dad was born in 1947. So some of the big things in 1947, World War II ended in 1945. So the U.S. is coming off of this catastrophic world event. Mm-hmm. And then... And then dad was born. So that's a big, big event. And then kind of as a result, obviously, World War II, they started into the Cold War, mm-hmm. which is something maybe you were heard about or experienced some bits of as you grew up. So Jackie Robinson took to the field for the Brooklyn Dodgers, becoming the first African-American to play in a Major League Baseball game in 1947. Yeah. Of course, you didn't know that. You were right. infants. Maybe. Chuck Yeager, United States Air Force captain and World War II vet, becomes the first person to break the sound barrier. So 1952, I feel like this would be present on your parents' mind. 3,300 die of polio in U.S. 57,000 children are paralyzed prior to the widespread use of polio vaccine. It was a mother's nightmare. And, and, and I personally knew and went to school with two boys who had polio. Really? And I had a, a friend as well. They were getting rid of it, but had white. I mean, I don't know anybody that's got polio now. Not in the United States, at least. Uh, right, yeah. right. But then the vaccine had been invented, but it had quite gotten it completely done yet. Yeah. Um, my friend always had a limp. And my yeah. two friends had braces. They function there. I think they're still alive. But regrettably, we all made fun of them. It's what kids do that are a little different. And so there was really bad blood between mm-hmm. those two boys. And I have since heard, in fact, I think one of them lives in Aunt Vivian's ward or dead or something. Not too long ago, and they're whoever was, they're great. Mm-hmm. So, kids can be mighty cool to each other. Play it too, it's like it's very visible. Yeah. Very. Also, at the time, the there was measles and mumps, and that was that was. I remember having the mumps. I remember having the measles. Uh, that was just common. One of yeah. those diseases is the feared one. I think measles, measles German measles or something. Yeah. One of those was severe. I mean, it was, but there again, vaccines. Sometimes were side effects from having the measles. I think that's what you're thinking about. Heart problems and stuff. I'm not sure you heard about this one. It says thick smog in London. This is 1952. Anyways, thick smog in London. Causes 4,000 fatalities. Good grief. Fog. And you talk about the Book of Mormons. Three days of thick darkness, so thick they could feel it. And you talk about fatalities. 
they didn't have automobiles in the Book of Mormon, not just car. People would ride bicycles there, and cars were around, and it's pretty easy to see how people cut it up and clobber. Here's another event. 1952 English version of Anne Frank's The Diary of a Young Girl was published. Oh, there you go. Queen Elizabeth becomes the queen of the United Kingdom after the death of her father, King George the sixth. Probably in the top 10 wealthiest people on the planet. She was also the most gracious. Yeah, yeah she really was. Kids left a little bit to be desired, but whatever. That's on? amazing. Yeah, we are. Oh, okay. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, the iconic musical film Singing in the Rain premieres at Radio City Music Hall. Okay, this is interesting. The popular Mr. Potato Head toys first sold in 1952. Uh, okay, Mother Teresa opens a home for dying and destitute in Calcutta, like the beginning of her ministry. So that's just some of the world events. I kind of wanted to ask Dad, not that you might even remember this, we kind of talked about like what did mom wear? Like what was the, you know, clothing for like a little girl, 1953, two, three, four, five. What? was something you would typically wear as a little, little lad. Clothes were the farthest thing from my mind. <laughs> he wore little overalls. We were poor. Pretty much everything was hand-me-down. Pretty much. I, even in my later grade school years, I remember once in a while we'd actually get new clothes and it was I didn't care less about clothes. Unfortunately, I still really don't. I love them. In my family, that was a big deal. I just thought of one thing, Christmas times at our house, and I still have leftovers from those feelings. Our house in Logan that we grew up in had tall ceilings. Therefore, we had a very big, (coughs) tall Christmas tree. We had the biggest Christmas tree I ever saw. But we had a big tree because we had tall ceilings. Mm-hmm. And our decorations, we were poor. I did not know that. But I now look back and realize we were poor. And I know we were because 95% of the Christmas decorations we had, not 100. We did actually, my parents somehow were able to buy some tinsel in these boxes. So we used some of that, but the main things I remember is popcorn strings. Did you ever string popcorn? Not as a child, but I did as early married. It's a tedious job. You got your needle and your thread and barrels of popcorn. Oh my crimey. We thought it was great fun. And then we would make... We made, oh yeah, made many, many snowflakes. But then we would make the loops of colored paper. Oh, chains. Yeah, oh, chains. whatever you call them. Yeah, and so we would spend hours as a family. Must have been weeks before. I mean, you can't do all this in one night. Not the popcorn, not the loops. Uh, most of the stuff you're making by hand, which is most of our stuff. And then we would put icicles that we would buy. Those button, that like, we call them icicles. What yeah. do you call them that? I, I mean, well, 
they're like little shreds of yeah, teeny, uh, silver. They're just horrible. And they're a hundred <laughs> times more horrible to take off. He took them off, every one of them, because we took everything off to save it for the next year. Even the popcorn? The popcorn didn't make it. Anyway, the main That's thing I do remember, and you guys have seen me do this plenty of times, and that is when we were unwrapping presents. And by the way, we had more presents under our tree than anybody I had ever seen in my life. We were the poorest people I knew and had by far the biggest pile of presents. And the reason we did is because we had nine of us in the family and even us little teeny kids. I remember our parents gave us $2.50. I'm assuming they gave the other, uh, my other young brothers or maybe the older ones too. I don't know. One. I don't know. To buy nine presents. Well, eight. We didn't have to buy one for ourselves. Yeah. So that's about 25 cents a piece or something. And it was great. We, I don't know how we did it, but we found plenty of things to buy for 20 and 25 cents. Mm -hmm. And we would wrap it. Okay, we'll multiply eight times seven or nine or whatever it was. That's a lot of That's presents. A lot of Plus some relatives, yeah. a few friends and stuff. Yeah. I mean, we had piles, but none of it cost anything. Okay, but it did take wrapping. And so we <coughs> wrapped a lot of presents and that was <coughs> great fun. I have really gotten over that. It is not great. <clears throat> but we wrapped a lot of presents. And because we didn't have hardly any money, every present was unwrapped with the same care it was wrapped so we could reuse, fold, and reuse the paper. The next year, we could not afford to buy presents, uh, wrapping paper. And today, just grabbing a present and ripping the paper off just feels like sticking a knife in my back. Well, both of our parents lived through the Depression. We're so careful because you might not be able to get what you needed. So they were very careful with everything. It's kind of a beautiful picture, all these little kids stringing popcorn. Or I mean, is that, mm -hmm. did you string popcorn in your tree too, Mom? No. No? Mm -mm. We did do icicles, so. That's that stringy stuff. Yeah. Yes. Your mom bought. We had a silver Christmas tree that was like... It looked like tin foil. The whole tree was made out of that, mm -hmm. and that was kind of a trendy thing. You know, you put it a, put it together, and it had the branches, and this kind of just silver oh, tree. Yeah. It was awesome. If you have to tell somebody you're a lady, you're not. <laughs> That's a classic statement. You remember that from Margaret Thatcher? You know, it's pretty cool that she was prime minister. Mm -hmm. Things were changing a little bit for women at that time. That was a big moment of change, but yeah. still not so much. I mean, there hasn't, has there been another female prime minister since then? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Tony Blair was after her. She, she was, I think, actually, I didn't follow into her family life as much as I thought. As much as I think I did, maybe, but I think she was actually happily married. I believe so. And she, um, I remember one article describing her economic 
policy and they call it handbag economics. Yeah. So if she you, was fabulous. you don't, you don't spend if you don't have, it's just, just handbag. handbag economics is what they called it. You don't spend if you don't, yeah, if you don't have it. You pull don't out a credit card and buy uh, it because yeah, you yeah. just want it. Right. You've never even heard of it until two minutes ago and so, now you have to have it. So her economic policies were, she was really careful. Yeah. Did it get affected the way you guys thought about things? Did it? No, we, because we were already on paper. We already we were like <laughs> living the handbag life. Well. Yeah. It, it, it's just <laughs> like in the last 30 years, there's been eight recessions or something in the yeah, world. Right. We haven't known about one of them. We just knew we didn't have any money much, and that's the way it was. We heard about it after it had happened. Yeah, oh, did you guys have a recession? Yeah, did you? No, it was between yeah. here and here. Oh, well, we didn't notice. Wow. <laughs> that's kind of nice. I, well, yeah, it's in not that nice. way. It's wise, I suppose, really. Yeah, I guess. Sometimes, so. well, I always say sometimes having more money than less causes more problems than fixes. Yeah. Well, they kind of say if you have what you need, you know, and just there, there's not much more joy with getting a whole bunch of money. There's kind of a line where. If you have what you need and maybe just a little bit extra, that you're as happy as if you'd had a whole bunch more. The statement yeah. has so. rings loud in my ears and will forever. When the one person asked the other person, do you have any money? And he said, we have sufficient for our needs. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't say where that came from. Yeah. But we know. Yeah. But well. there are some people also that can handle money and that's okay. But we had none, neither one of us much when we were growing up, but we had the greatest Christmases in the whole country. Yeah. We created it because we didn't have any money. That really makes, I think, the difference. I read um, an article this weekend that said that it was a guy talking about his life or whatever. And he said, we didn't have any any money, so we had to think. I thought that was. We didn't have any money, so we had to. Think. We had to think. You went down to decorating the tree. Right. Yeah. Like, and we did it in is... schools. Yeah. We did. We did those right, kinds of things. In that yeah. That's that was class projects we did. After we got through doing our arithmetic and stuff, we'd stop and get our paste out and our colored paper or whatever, and we had a ball yeah. creating all this stuff. Yeah. Now we just got down down by it. This has been really awesome. We kind of talked about a little bit about your family. Um, I think we could even dive more into your families in other episodes because that was some interesting things we mm -hmm. talked about. Talked a little bit about just kind of those early years, some of those memories you had, some of those current events, some of the things you liked at that time. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you'd like to share before we close here? We'll remember more next time. Yeah, yeah we'll be thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been really fun. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. <laughs>
She said yes, and that was that. Soon they became something real. Then one night on a hill overlooking town, he took her hand and said to her as he knelt upon the ground, let's make some music all through our lives. Some simple music all through our lives. There's a melody I feel when I'm with you. So let's join together forever. And she smiled and said, yes, let's do. Let's make some music all through our lives. Some simple music all through our lives. There's a harmony I feel when I'm with you. So let's join together forever, no matter what we do. Then they began to speculate what the future might hold. They said, maybe we'll have a lot of kids and raise them somewhere cold. Maybe they'll learn piano and we'll live on a farm and we'll try to teach them right from wrong and keep them safe from harm and maybe we'll have our share of trials but maybe it'll all work out maybe we'll live in a few good small towns as we learn what life's about and maybe we'll make music all through our lives some simple music all through our lives there's a melody i feel when i'm with you so let's join together forever no matter what we do yes let's make music all through our lives some simple music all through our lives there's a harmony i feel when i'm with you so let's join together forever no matter what we do the music of love the music of hope of faith and joy maybe we don't know everything Maybe we'll just enjoy that we're making music all through our lives. Some simple music all through our lives. And maybe in 50 years we'll be gathered near and far. And our kids will honor us and give thanks to us for teaching them that life's not so hard with music all through our lives. Some simple music all through our lives. And now that it's been 50 years, we can see it all came true. So glad I feel this melody and harmony. Whenever